0: Is it okay if I come down here? It will be nice to be kind of a bit nearer. Since we're a bit more kind of informal and relaxed today, we'll be even more relaxed and informal tomorrow, but uh, tomorrow is another day. What day is it tomorrow? Yeah, Christmas Day, right. So anyway, it's uh, Christmas Eve then. And I think, although probably not everyone, well, obviously not because quite a lot of people aren't here, but uh, I, I think it's great actually to be in church on, on this day, on Christmas Eve, because um, I think it, and what we're going to do is just just focus on that little segment of the story that we've just seen and, and the bit beyond it, because it just gives us a bit more chance to kind of live in this amazing story. Well, of course, it's not just a story. It's what actually happened. So I think it's great just to linger for a bit and that's what we're going to do now. We're focusing on what happened as they get to Bethlehem and Jesus is born. Now, I don't know what you, whether you're like me, but I really quite like backstories, you know, backstories, you know, when, when you, you have a drama or, or, you know, that somebody does something or you, know, you, you see their lives or a little a little bit of their life, and you don 't realize it, but there 's a big kind of backstory and it help, i mean I like them because it it helps it kind of draws me into what 's going on and I think it 's great to be drawn into something that is a drama or something that you 're trying to or or, or somebody 's life i suppose somebody who who maybe you, you think why do they why, why are they doing that or you know what what has caused this particular piece of um, Kind of activity or behavior or whatever, or this incident, and often there 's a backstory, something that I guess as a pastor, uh, we need to be sensitive about, and we need to be sensitive about that to one and that 's not what i 'm here to talk about this morning, but anyway there 's a couple of backstories in this in this account that I think are, are worth just noting here 's the first one it 's what I call the big events backstory because it all happened all that we read about in Luke chapter two. Indeed, this whole, um, it kind of cat, this whole episode, Jesus' birth and the way he got to Bethlehem and everything, is all part of something much bigger. We're in the Roman Empire of Augustus. Augustus was one of the, the greatest emperors uh, of the Roman Empire. He he made some tremendous changes. I mean, he, in, in some ways, uh, he was, I think, at, at the point where the what was the republic became the empire, and there was a massive kind of change. And, uh, and I guess, I suppose, his, given history is written by the winners, uh, history says he was a good guy, or he did some great things. But then he was one of the winners. Maybe others didn't think so at the time. But anyway, There's this whole lot of stuff going on. There's this census and lots of people are on the move. In fact, you know, even more than I suppose on the M25 yesterday or whatever it was, you know, people just going from back and forth, heading back to the place where their family were from. Perhaps uh, not quite as much as it would be, as chaotic as it would be today, because in those days, in those kind of societies, people tended to stick around the area they were born in, but um, even so. And I think it's amazing that the the king that the Old Testament prophets prophets predicted would be born is born in Bethlehem, but as the result of, of a whim or an idea of a completely separate pagan king. That's how Jesus gets to Bethlehem, because of these big events that are going on. This is a world where people's stability is fragile. It's not an easy world to live in. It's a world where quite literally anything could happen at any time. Maybe your world feels a bit like that sometimes. Maybe our world does. What might happen next? What Augustus might make some move that gets people m- moving? What about the millions of people on the road today? Because they're caught up in massive events. And then of course the other backstory here is this rejection backstory. And the film made it very clear. And you know, when you think about it, it's obvious, isn't it? This town, Bethlehem, is full of Joseph's relatives. That's why they went there. They had to go back to the town where he was from, and if you've travelled in the east, or if you've ever read one of some of these biographies, or seen a documentary, you know these dudes who, you know, cycle around the world, or you know, walk around the world, or do something round the world. Have you ever noticed? There's a common theme that they say: you know, if it wasn't for the kindness of strangers, I'd be dead. I would never have made it if it hadn't been for the people who took me in. You know, and, and if you go to other cultures, the idea, you know, if you, if you go to the Middle East today and you're stuck for hospitality, the idea that people would shut their doors in your faces is an insult. And yet here in Bethlehem, and again, the idea that your own family would not give you a room or a space in their house is absolutely horrific. And, and I, you know, it, was, it wasn't until I saw that film, and I've been living with these stories all my life, I've traveled in the Middle East and Asia, and know these things to be. it just hadn't struck me, but it, it's, it's obvious, isn't it, when you think about it. So why wasn't there any room? Why didn't the family take him in? Because of the shame that they perceived. You see, Luke says they were betrothed and not married in that passage. Now, Matthew tells us that Joseph um, did marry Mary the phrase in Matthew is he took her home as his wife now betrothal in those days if you were committed to be married to someone it was a very serious thing it was binding it was actually rather like marriage except the couple didn't live together and there was no sexual relations between the two of them but in every other sense they were legally bound to one another And the custom was, uh, and a betrothal rather, could only be ended by a divorce um, or the death of one of them. And the custom was that the woman would live with her family for about a year uh, and not with her betrothed. uh, And then all that time she was in that position, she would still be referred to as a wife because she would be a wife, but she she hadn't been fully married at that point. And then there'd be a ceremony and a huge party. You know, we read in the Gospels, Jesus went to a big party in a, a village called Cana in Galilee. Well, you'd have the whole village would have a massive party, and at the end of the party, the the the, the groom, the the man, would take the woman from her family home. To his own home, and that would be when they were married, and that's when their their sexual relations would begin, and that would be, that was when they were kind of married, in that sense. And that's why, when in the, in the dream, do you remember the dream that Joseph has, the Lord, the angel of the Lord says to him, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, that is a reference to the ceremony and the, the process. And, and Matthew tells us that, um, so uh, that Joseph did that, but he they didn 't consummate their marriage until after Jesus was born and that 's why Luke describes the, the, the situation of being betrothed here. Um, they were actually married, but they weren 't married because the marriage hadn 't been consummated although they 'd been through the ceremony but even so, if you look into the story carefully, you see that the Mary, immediately she's told she's pregnant. She hasn't missed a period, nothing's happened. She's told by the angel, go to Elizabeth, your cousin, because the proof that this is true is right there. She is already six months pregnant. So Mary immediately goes right the way across the country to her relatives, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and she stays there for uh, three months Because she leaves just before John the Baptist is born. Now, you know, the person who wrote all this stuff or or gives us the narrative, of course, is a doctor. Luke is a doctor. So he's interested in months of pregnancies and that kind of thing. He would have known Mary. Uh, There's some evidence that suggests that he was certainly around Palestine when she was a much older lady. So almost certainly he got the material from her. So let's get the timing. So Mary goes back, uh, she, she goes away for three months and then she comes back. Presumably that's when she tells Joseph that so the marriage wouldn't have taken place, the going home part of the marriage wouldn't have taken place till at least three months into the pregnancy. And six months later she's in Bethlehem about to give birth. What do you think the family are saying? So that is uh, where, why there is this rejection But the point is this, when God comes into our world, he comes as a helpless, crying baby, unable to do anything for himself. He comes into a world in which the powers move people around at their whim. A world where everything is unstable. Into a family that doesn't want to have anything to do with him or his mother. Even before he is born, Jesus faces rejection. So that's why they end up in someone's place with no bed. May have been a stable. Could have just been the courtyard of someone's house where the animals were. Or there was a place where animals would be. There's no bed. There's no cot. There's no blankets. I guess they got hold of some cloths from somewhere to wrap the baby in. And the place that he's laid is an animal's feeding basket. That's the backstory. Now what do we make of this backstory? What does it tell us? Well, it tells us about God's amazing love, doesn't it? We realize just what God is like in loving us so much. You know, elsewhere in the New Testament of the Bible, it says this, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift when you think you know being born in those circumstances in that world in that way at that time that almighty god should become a a, a helpless speechless uh, immobile baby is astonishing isn't it That's how much he loved us. The same book of the Bible, 2 Corinthians, says this. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for our sakes became poor, so that we through his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. What do we do about that? Well, we worship him. We love him. We appreciate him. That's how much God loves you. If you've never seen that before, if you've never thanked him for that, if you never welcomed him and his love into your life, well, here's a little pointer to how much he loves you. That's what he did for you and for me. What do we make of it? Well, we worship because of his amazing love. But there's something else we make of these big events, particularly the rejection. And that is that if we're followers of Jesus, he is our Lord. And we're with him. You know, we're with him. And there are two ways, at least, where this works out in our lives, I'd like to suggest. I'd like us to think about that briefly. First of all, we live as his people. That's what I mean by we're with him. You see, do you remember, Jesus called those 12 disciples, and they're prototypes of all believers, to follow him. It says he wanted them to be with him and to follow him and he tells those people and others like them on one occasion do you remember he said in the beatitudes one of the, his most famous bits of teaching upon <coughs> me he tells them you're blessed you're favored by god you know when you get rejected when you get treated in the same way that i've been treated Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, he says. Because of me. He says, you're with me, you disciples. You may be treated the way I was. In fact, Jesus told us that they would treat us or they may treat us in the way that he was treated. He told the disciples that actually many times in the Gospels. If we're with him, we may face rejection as well. Hebrews thirteen, twelve to 13, says tells us that we, quote, bear the disgrace he bore. It says we go to him outside the camp. What camp? That means that we're linked. And that can mean rejection for us too. Before Jesus died, he had a very long talk with his disciples to prepare them just for that kind of thing amongst others. It's in John chapter 14, 15, 16 and 17. And as it happens from next January, uh, we're going to be learning uh, from that, that, that part of John's gospel next year. And he tells us there that he's with us as his disciples. He promises to help us. But it can be difficult. For like Peter, you remember Peter when he was there by the cross and someone said, oh, you, you you're from Galilee. You know Jesus. It wasn't even hostile. But Peter thought, oh no, you know, I don't know him. Starts cussing. And that, we can face that. It might seem a little thing, but we face it. That feeling. I remember when I was at school, I was a, a Christian. Um, I kind of grown up as a Christian. I, I kind of became a believer for myself when I was about fourteen, and I remember at school uh, up until then, and indeed beyond it, I'd, I you know I've kept very quiet. You know, the last thing I ever wanted was somebody to know that I had any association with Jesus or you know my parents. I know lots of people don't want to be associated with their parents, but uh, with my parents, it was partly because of the the Jesus thing. And even even after I was I was baptized, I became a Christian at eleven. Rather, I was baptized at fourteen, and it wasn't actually till I was baptized and and uh, challenged, and a friend came to our school and started a Christian union when I was in the fourth year that I knew I can't hide being a Christian any longer. I need to stand up and let people know that I'm with Jesus. But that you know that feeling. rejection for his sake and that's only a small thing it can be much harder I got a letter this week from uh, you know you get Christmas letters at this time of the year anyone get Christmas letters this is a letter from a, quite a, a, a good friend of mine from the past and uh, he used to work in Bangladesh actually in the a project called Lamb uh, Health Project and the letter was about how he, he, he had, he's now in this country and hadn't been back there for seven years and in the letter they said this He'd been at LAM and it was great, they say, seeing old friends and catching up with people. Not least hearing how they have walked with God through the years. There are always many stories to tell, some sad, some better. One of the men that I knew who had become a Christian, from a Muslim background in Bangladesh, was killed last year by hardline Islamists. We caught up a bit. On the, we caught up a bit. The news around his family, and the group of believers there. The family are struggling, but the group of believers have come through that with their faith intact, and still very much walking with Jesus. Got that letter this week from a conversation a couple of months ago. So we may face some rejection, but really it's kind of minor, isn't it, compared to what brothers and sisters may face in other parts of the world. And we may face, some of us who are younger, we may face this in our lifetime, or our kids might, or our grandchildren might. We don't know. But we live as his people, linked with him. And the second thing I just want to say, finally, is that we live on his mission Because Jesus told his disciples, and he tells us too, he says, I'm sending you out into the world as the Father sent me. So the way we live in the world, he was sent into the world this way. Well, we're sent into the world this way. What way? What? Do we have angels and shepherds and all that kind of stuff around our lives? Well, not usually, no. But there are ways in which we're sent and we go his way. Maybe it means that he didn't hold back, didn't he? He got involved in our world. He came right where the need was. Maybe that's a challenge to us. Maybe there are times when we just have to let go of our preferences. We might like an easy and a comfortable life in order to go where God sends us or do what he wants us to do just as Jesus did. I mean, you couldn't get a longer journey, could you, in one sense, than from heaven to uh, a, an animal feeding box. And sometimes it, we don't even want to cross the road to, to care for someone or talk for someone. And Jesus says, I've sent you in the way that the Father has sent me. Maybe that's a challenge for us. So we don't want to get phased by the disturbing world that we live in, all these crazy possibilities, because Jesus has come into that world, our world, and he sends us into it too. And we don't want to take rejection and misunderstanding or hardship as reason for giving up. Because he didn't. (laughs) He still came here. Now, that might sound quite tough. And it is very tough. Actually, it's almost impossible if we forget what was the first thing we've learned as we react to what God has done. What was the first thing we, we thought of? God's amazing love. That's why he came, that's why he faced rejection. He loves us that much and, and he wants to bring us that joy. He promises to be with us. He is the one who comes into our lives himself. He's the one who brings his love, his joy, his peace, his presence into our lives by the Holy Spirit. He's the one who brings all that he has done into our experience. And when all of that happens, we can live with him. We can live as his people and we can live on his mission. That's why those brothers and sisters in Bangladesh have not given up, even though their relative has been murdered. Because they know of God's amazing love, they know God's presence, they know God's faithfulness, and we can know that too, whatever we face. There's a lot of contrast about Christmas, isn't there? At one level, there's the kind of triumph, isn't it? It's a, you know, there's a spectacular breaking in of. Of angels and glory and you know God fixing stuff so that Jesus is born in Bethlehem and all of that kind of thing it 's an amazing rescue of a king who comes as the lion of Judah, but there's also this vulnerability there's this fragility there's this this whole kind of risk and danger that the the, the living God subjects himself to. And it's kind of the two things are there in this story. The rejection that will ultimately lead to his death as the Lamb of God. And we live with him. Our victorious king, full of his joy, his glory, his power. And we know that we live with him in rejection and suffering sometimes. Because that's actually how his glory and power are really seen. According to the Bible anyway. So let's remember, live as his people and live on his mission through uh, Christmas and beyond. We're going to uh, pray now. I think that's what we're going to do, are we? Yes, we are. So can we um, respond a prayer? We're going to sing. Oh, they're there. Sorry. <laughs>